Welcome, everybody, to episode 165 of the Metabilis 2 podcast. My name is Ben. And I am David. And we are headed to the 14th, is it the 14th century? The 15th century in San Martino uh, for the kickoff of season 14 of Doctor Who, The Mask of the Mandragora. Mandragora? Mandragora. I've always said Mandragora, to be honest. Is that what they say on the show? Well, you can't go by what Tom would say. I think he says Mandragora. Yeah, he's wrong. (laughs) It's Mandragora. Everyone knows it's the Mandragora helix. Um, Well, I always did it Mandragora. Uh, Well, I always said Mandragora. Anyway. The the kickoff kickoff storks. Yeah, the helix. Let's just call it the helix. Um, and it's the late 15th century, so we're in the 1400s. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, what? <laughs> this is the uh, penultimate Sarah Jane story. Too. It is. It is. So what I think we've been doing, what I've been doing with these is thinking about my kind of first encounter with this episode. I did not like the Mask of Mandagora at all. Mm. Um, one, I didn't like the wood paneled, uh, the secondary control room. Really? No, I. Well, I was nine. I mean, I of course I hated it. Ah, Well, it's change. It's change. Yes, exactly. It was different. It didn't look like the TARDIS was like a spaceship anymore. It's like some weird old room. Jules Verne. Yep. Like a boring room that I would have. My parents would take me to in like a boring old house. Oh, uh, like, okay, yeah, like a, like a 1600 house or something. Yeah, like exactly, that. the 1600 house. So I didn't like, I mean, I love it now, obviously. It's one of my, it's 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 up there, one of my, well, I'm not that much of a Doctor Who fan. I don't really have, like, you know, I don't rank my favorite TARDIS console rooms. However, if I was <laughs> to rank my favorite TARDIS console rooms, this would be pretty much up there. I think it's fabulous, and I don't know why they don't bring it back more, because um, I think it's great. Anyway, I didn't like the new console room at all. Mm. Um I didn't like going back to Renaissance Italy. It felt like I was being educated about something, and I didn't care for that one <laughs> bit. Um, it felt like a BBC classic serial. It felt like mm. something that should be on a Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. not on a Saturday evening. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like Italians then. Um, I like Italians <laughs> now. I didn't. I don't know why we had to be in Italy. I didn't know anything about the Renaissance. I didn't care either. There wasn't a monster. It was just a whirling ball of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, that was boring. Um, Do you like oranges? Did you like the orange scene at the beginning? Mm, I, mean, I like Sarah Jane. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah. I didn't. Mm, just, didn't, just didn't do it for you. Nope. Have you revised your opinion? In the... I like it a lot better than I used to. So it's gone up from like a three to a four? or Yes, it's, it's a pretty <laughs> solid four. I'm out okay. of five. Don't, I mean... Yeah, out of five. Okay, it's okay. I mean, Uh the other thing I think also it didn't seem to me to be convincingly Italy either. I mean, I know obviously they didn't shoot it in Italy; they shot it in Port Marion. Right. You're saying Wales is not a good stand-in for Renaissance Italy? Nah. Well, again, I mean, you know, without pulling rank again as usual, I do know a little bit about Wales. (laughs) Um, And it was yeah, this is this is in Wales. Uh-huh. This isn't Italy. Despite the, the uh, hell. despite yeah. the oranges wired onto trees. It, despite it the oranges, <laughs> oranges very obviously wired onto trees in a very unconvincing fashion. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, actually, if you, if, even if you go to San Martino, wherever that might be, you're not going to have big honking oranges hanging off randomly off trees. So anyway. I, I don't know. It is Italy, though. I mean, Italy, land of plenty. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. How about well, you? 
uh, like I said last episode of the Metabulous 2, this we're entering in kind of the low point of the Hinchcliffe Holmes era of stories that didn't really register with me on first viewing and. Well, because you because they didn't show them, or because you weren't paying attention, or what was going no, on? No, it just uh, well, in the case of like Brain and Morbius, it was lack of location. But here we have location in spades with the Port Marion stand-in for Italy. But the story was pretty pants. It's pretty. Yeah, it's it's pretty a boring. dull. It's a dull story. It's a dull story. Yeah, yeah. and I didn't really. I mean, what I was twelve years old or something. The whole Machiavellian. Uh, aspect or Hamlet aspect. It, uh, Nobody cares. It just uh, it just didn't really do much for me. Although I do remember um, on first first viewing, I hit the World Book Encyclopedia, not finding the Cult of Demnos there. I went to the library and looked in the Encyclopedia Britannica to see if the Cult of Demnos was an actual thing. And I was really disappointed to see that, to learn that the Cult of Demnos is entirely uh, fictitious. And so, it was something either Lewis Marx probably or Bob Holmes came up with. I thought so it was... So, so, so every Doctor Who serial, you'd like go to the library and look up, see whether it was real or not. Well, I thought since this was, you said this was educational. That's so true. I okay, thought, all right. Fair, fair. All right. I thought w- this whole <laughs> thing, this ancient Roman cult of Demnos, was actually something. I was going, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into this. I've been my my curiosity has been, it's been picked, peaked, but, right? Yes. yes. But uh, no, I couldn't find anything on the cult of Demnos, or even <laughs> so, a god so, Demnos, or I, it's all, it's all mumble jumble, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, which is shame because I mean because the the apparent point of this is that what's his name Lewis Marks, I think that's that the, the writer, the writer. Yeah, it was some kind of expert on the Renaissance or something. I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm being a, <laughs> I'm being a bad fan, but didn't he do a like his master's degree in kind of Renaissance culture or something? Mm. Anyway, that's what I read. But again, I think as usual with the you know the pseudo historical, it's like well. If you're not going to set it somewhere that's real, then why set it somewhere that's real at all? If you see what I mean? Hmm. You know, it's that's always the beef I have. I mean, I like I like the time meddler very much, right? But it's you know, the Vikings have got horns on their helmets, like you know, it's just like the football team, like the football team, exactly. So like, if, if you're gonna do historical, <laughs> American football, sorry, yeah, if you're gonna do historical, do historical. If you're not gonna mm-hmm. do historical, just set it on you know the planet Wizwas as usual. Well, it'd be like. Tara, if you would have set this Tara. on a planet like Tara, uh, yes. you know, Androids of Tara, would that have worked better for you, maybe? I didn't like the Androids of Tara either. I thought that was uh, I thought okay. that was too So there's a because there's a classic serial thing, you see. Mm-hmm. Which I guess you didn't have, obviously. Were you forced to sit down no, and no, no, you to weren't watch classic forced series? to sit down and watch No, that that would be ridiculous. My my parents hated us watching television. Um, ah. <laughs> um but it was like, okay, it's Sunday night, what's on the telly? Uh, it's the classic serial and sometimes the classic serial was good mm-hmm. but more often than not it was like dickens or something and it was you know historical and people were poncing around there weren't any monsters right. there's no monsters right and there's no monster there's in no this one there's this no monsters no. in t- androids of taurus nope. so no we... monsters there either exactly there's androids you are tuning in for monsters and uh the... yeah, guilty yes i was yeah okay tuning in mm-hmm. for monsters yeah yeah, mm-hmm. and again, I mean, some of the Andros Zatara, I mean, they 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 
I, mean, I, I don't have any proof of this again. I'm a bad fan. But, you know, they'd done The Prisoner of Zender as a classic serial. I'd probably seen it. And it was like, this is mm. just that classic serial that they had. Mm-hmm. With, only it's got the Doctor in it and K-9, who I didn't like. So you weren't a big fan of the Tar and Wood Beast then? That I mean, it, that one actually does have a monster. I, 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 it's, I've since revised my opinion on the Tar and Wood Beast. No, I mean, the Tar and Wood Beast, it was only in it for 10 <laughs> seconds. It's like, oh, no, right. no, there's not really a monster. But yes, the Mask right. of Man- Maradogora suffers from not having enough monsters in it. I wonder how you would retrofit or fit a monster in this story because it's it's energy. It's just the helix energy that turns people blue. I guess it's, it's well. Not I mean, really. Well, I mean, obviously, the helix takes people over and makes them evil. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Have them become monsters when they're turned I evil. I don't know. Hieronymus was pretty evil, I think, to begin with. But like, have that be his real face or something, and not a mask. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. you know, or I don't know. Like the primords. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. 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 You get exposed to, instead of installment gas, you get exposed to helix energy and you start going a werewolf or something. Yeah, you become all, I don't know, think of something renaissance I don't know, you become, I don't know what you become. It's a dumb idea. I mean, I think the, I, I think from, again, what I've read about this, it was Lewis Marx was like, you know, it's kind of, the it's the cusp of the renaissance between, you know, the evil of the dark ages and then right. the bright sun of the of the Renaissance and the Mandragora Helix represents like the Dark Ages and something mm-hmm. else doesn't represent that, which is nonsense anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, the Renaissance was twice as brutal as any kind of era had been before than that. I mean, there's you know, a lot more death, torture, destruction and horror um, right. during the Renaissance. It's just it was all dressed up in you know classical clothes you know they were still torturing each- well you know they got thumbscrews they, they have thumbscrews in this one don't they was that the light was that the thumb- yeah, thumbscrews are coming up tortures. they yeah, have thumbscrews yeah. yeah you know so i mean it's not i mean the renaissance is not some amazing time when everything mm-hmm. got better it's just the same as it ever was <laughs> um and i don't know i mean i didn't really understand what a mask was you probably hadn't seen the mask of the red death at uh, no no nine years old eight years old so it was yeah, like okay eight, it's what is it is it's it's his mask that he's wearing well a mm-hmm. why have they spelt it that way that seems pretentious right. to me and b if the mask is evil why isn't it being more <laughs> evil you know mate what it should be melding itself to right. his face i mean you know it should be it should be cooler basically well, it, the whole the naming. It, the, okay, they have a little dance. They have a little costume party at I, the imagine end. Imagine how much I enjoyed that bit. It's <laughs> a nine-year-old boy. But the 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 name, the mask of the Mandragora, is um, it doesn't inspire. It's not, there's no doom. There's no death. There's no fear. It's yeah. If it'd be called the, the it's a dance. If it'd be called the death of Mandragora or the Mandragora of Doom. Or Mandragora Death Dance, or the Mandragora Death Dance, or Terror of the Mandragora Helix, or the uh-huh. Helix of Doom. Ooh, now we're talking the Helix of Death. You know, Helix of Death. <laughs> Great. I'd, yeah. I'd, have, I'd have totally gone for the Helix of Death, but no, the Mask With of Mandragora. Monsters. With monsters. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, hmm. I didn't react quite as negatively towards it. I mean, I like I it better intrigued. now, obviously, but I still don't like yeah. it a huge amount. Mm-hmm. I was intrigued enough to start doing some research on Renaissance well, Italy, trying to find, are, yeah. <laughs> trying to find the origins of the cult of Demnos, and I don't know why I was so disappointed that this wasn't actually a thing, but I was. 
looking at the story now, it has a couple of my favorite scenes in it when they're in the helix and the energy is going uh heading right towards the target and they're 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 running be- behind the it. The helixy scenes are good actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but when they're running behind the TARDIS and the doctor uh, helps Sarah Jane behind it, he basically swings her around. Her feet are off the ground. and He kind of pivots her and swings her around the TARDIS. And Liz Sladen is so light and Tom, and their height disparity is so great that he just kind of lifts her up like a rag doll and swings her around. And I, I always like that, uh, nice that visual image. Yeah. And it is another kind of foreshadows the more modern take on the doctor with the doctor actually causing the problem. He's the one who brought the Mandragora energy back with him to the Renaissance rather than he encountered it before. So it's, you know, it's his mistake ultimately of leaving the TARDIS doors open, or I guess Sarah was the last one through the TARDIS doors that triggers this whole episode, I guess. Right, right. So that's neat. And this is where we finally uh, have an on-screen explanation on how the Doctor and Companion can understand everything in Italy or planets, alien planets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the TARDIS translation circuit. So that's that's nice. And I, and I love... It's good. I, it's I, a good answer. I really gravitated... Uh, I, I, I latched on immediately to the secondary console room. I thought that was brilliant. I really liked the dark wood panel why did you stained glass. Why, why did you like it? Uh, it looked cool to me. I, I, I looked, yeah. I liked the smaller nature of it. It reminded me of, I don't know if you've ever been up in Duluth, Minnesota, uh, in Canal Park by the aerial lift bridge, but they have ship staterooms and pilot rooms, right. uh, in there. And it really reminded me of 19th century, uh, bridge from a ship where you'd have all the controls and stuff. So it looked very nautical to me right. with the, the, with the Randalls being like portholes. And it, it reminded me of a, a sailing ship on the great lakes of the United States and Canada from the 19th century. And it's, uh, I just, it just resonated with me. It was very, it struck me as very nautical, not, hmm. and, you know, subsequently as Jules Verne and, uh, you know, 20,000 leagues under the sea and, uh, that type of stuff, but I like that. I guess I'm I'm always probably more steampunk inclined than you are with any of this stuff too. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. yeah, it is definitely kind of a steampunk vibe. I mean, I loved the movie, The Time Machine. That was one of my favorite movies as a kid because they used mm-hmm. to play it all the time on on the BBC. But I felt that uh, I think trying to remember how I felt. I mean, I think it, I think my the Doctor Who was kind of different. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to me that this was pandering. They were trying to make the TARDIS console room to be like something else. Huh. When actually it should be more itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think actually, I think the whole show felt it was pandering, you know, like the, it was a classic serial, um, etc. I mean, I, I, here's a question. I mean, you, you you weren't aware of The Prisoner at all at this no, point. No, no, I didn't so, yeah. see The Prisoner until probably eight years later. Yeah, no, neither was I. I mean, I just kind of recognized it as being a bit Walesy. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I didn't pick up on any locations in yeah, yeah. The, the village. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, it's it's good. I mean, Tom is all action in this. He's uh, riding horses. He's sword fighting. He's rescuing Sarah. So it's it's heavy on action, and I think probably Terry Walsh doing stunts. But yeah, it, it does 
come across as how much how much um, do you think this is robert holmes and how much do you think this is lewis marx i think this is mostly lewis marx actually because you look yeah. at other bob holmes things and they're more there's not a lot of action that the doctor is doing true, in true. like ark in space or pyramids of mars there's not a lot of action in that either yeah do you think um do you think it was marx who came up with the universal translation circuit hmm. or do you think that was holmes Hmm. Well, Marx has been writing since '64, or you know, for he's written a lot. Yeah, yeah. I would. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's a it's a major change, or not a major change. It's not a change. It's a major thing. Right. I mean, we're still banging on about the translation circuit now, aren't we? It's yeah. Like always yeah. doing things. Yeah. Oh, Lewis Lewis Marx went to Balliol. Huh. So. I would give it to Marx. I think because yeah. with his background with languages and the Renaissance and stuff, I think that would be a question that he would have had to answer for himself how that happened. And so he might have uh, posed a question to Holmes, and Holmes always comes up with these kind of world-building things too, uh, offhand Marx. But I think this is more since it takes a, a more center center stage in the story and it serves as a plot point. Mm. I think it probably is Marx's invention. Yeah, but yeah. I I don't know for certain. Hmm. And you disagree? Or? No, 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 no. I'm just I'm I mean it's, it's always it's interesting to me when these kind of world changing flashes of mm-hmm. uh, inspiration is the wrong word, but you know they suddenly think, hang on, like how does everyone understand each other? Mm-hmm. And like oh, quickly we better write something in. And it's interesting that that was never done before, and it was done now, and it mm-hmm. was done in this show rather than sorry in this story rather than you know any other story mm-hmm. um i mean because it is i mean it's a major as i said as i just repeated myself you know it's a major piece of law um, right you know it's the similar level to like the doctor has only 13 regenerations right um it's the thing that we're still going on about even though mm-hmm. it's like well of course they all speak english otherwise we wouldn't be able to understand what they were saying. <laughs> right. You know, it'd be like Star Trek where people speak Klingon except when it's like boring and not useful for them to speak Klingon, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, it works better in Star Trek to have languages because you're having re a reoccurrence of these aliens on a weekly or seasonally basis with uh, the Mandragora. You're not going to really, you don't want this monster. And I use that in air quotes to return every season or, you know, ever again. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Never wanted to return again. It's just not that uh, interesting. No. Oh, oh, hang on. So I'm looking here. You you know what the, the working title for this was? Cat, the Catacombs of Evil or something, isn't catacombs it? Catacombs of Death. Now, yes. that Come would on. have been so much better. <laughs> yeah. And a lot more educational. If I was a nine-year-old, as I used to be, mm-hmm. I would far rather learn about what catacomb meant mm-hmm. than learning what a mask meant. Right. Well, they had spent all their money on location for Port Marion, but they, the, the catacombs were all soundstage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, a mask is a boring dance for girls. A, a catacomb <laughs> is like an evil place with skeletons in it. Yeah. I mean, come on, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no, um, there's no contest there. No contest. Yeah. Catacombs yeah. of death. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The backup name was the Curse of the Mandragora, which would even would have yeah. been better. That would have been better too. Yeah. 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 Oh well. So, um, so I find out Lewis Marks went to Balliol, so he was at yep. Oxford. Yep. Um, and he has a DPhil, so he's a doctorate. Mm-hmm. I guess in Renaissance studies or something, though his presentation of the Renaissance in 
the Mask of Mandragora is not good. So who knows? It has been through the Bob Holmes uh, rewrite or yep. edit. Yep. He's, so yeah. he's he's uh, spiffied it up for the Hinchcliffe era. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there we go. Um, Mandragora. <laughs> All right. All well, right. So not much to say on this. No monsters. Moving on. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> to, to where we great get the great Eldrad. Eldrad must live. Eldrad must live. Better name again, Hand of Fear. So, and I think I've said this, this this famously, part one, well, no, it was part two was on my birthday. Um, so I had a birthday party on that Saturday. Uh-huh. Um, it was my 10th uh-huh. um, birthday. Um, okay. And I made all my friends watch Doc 2. Some of which, some of my friends didn't like Doc 2, so they weren't pleased, but most of my friends did. So that Well, they weren't good. your friends much longer than if they didn't want to watch well, Doc 2. I mean, I like, I like, <laughs> it's good to, it's when you're 10, it's good to have a good spread of friends. Uh-huh. You, can't, you can't really, yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Hand of Fear is great. I like, I like the Hand of Fear. Uh-huh. I think it's a great uh, story, too. It's sad, though, because this is where we say goodbye to Sarah. And it gets to stick a lot because I think some people see this as where Sarah's really childlike because she's wearing the Andy Pandy costume. And so when you look at Sarah coming in with the Time Warrior being this investigative journalist who's embedded herself in this unit scientific lockdown, and then she goes off with a stuffed animal, it's... It's a different character, I guess, and these people who don't like the arc of Sarah Jane don't like the softening of Liz Sladen's character. Though I think Liz Sladen didn't really have any problem with it, did she? Uh, She left because she thought she was going to get the axe, so I don't think she had much beef with the direction that Sarah was going. Sarah no. wasn't, uh, I mean, these are these are cartoon-type characters. They yeah. don't do a lot of character development in the classic era, aside from a few exceptions. Yeah. They've become archetypes, and Liz was more, I think, afraid that Holmes and Hinchcliffe wanted their own leading lady. And yeah, which she, is fair. she wanted yeah. to leave. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, mean so I, I, don't, I don't think, I don't think of the, performance here from her is a problem at all really mm-hmm. i mean i think i think i I mean, again i'm usual in some ways repeating myself but i think the kind of friendship relationship that the doctor and sarah have is very touching and mm-hmm. very real um mm-hmm. and they convincingly travel together mm-hmm. and when they break up that is also convincing Mm-hmm. So no, I don't have any problem with that at all. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I guess this is tedious. Fans wanted Sarah Jane to be a hard-hitting investigative journalist like all the time, which really wouldn't work on Scarrow or Nerva Beacon or, or I anywhere. Guess possibly it could have worked in the Hand of Fear, but I'm not sure how it would. Have, you know, maybe I don't know. She was back on Earth for a bit, and she was doing a Metropolitan magazine, right? You know, in-depth review of the nuclear power stations or something who knows it always kicked in when she was back on earth because she had that when she was in terror of the zygon she started interviewing angus the pub owner and uh, she was doing uh, kind of in her own investigation a little bit in the village and androids of tara she had been there already on um she had interviewed the landlord previously on a story so when it's appropriate it kicked in but when you move the doctor who stories off earth as they happened in the hinchcliffe holmes era or in the past there wasn't a lot of investigative journalism she was going to be doing in san Mateo, for example 
No, I mean interview the yeah Count <laughs> yeah. Federico, someone exactly. So right. hang on, so so this is uh, I, I, again. I will I will tell you about what what upset yeah. me about this at the time. So I love Judith Paris's performance as Eldred. I think she's absolutely amazing. Yep. And it is a source of great disappointment to me now that for probably sexist reasons, they decided that the proper Eldrad would be Stephen Thorne. Stephen Thorne is also awesome because it's Stephen Thorne, but right. it's a real shame, I feel now, that they just didn't keep... Why Why wasn't it Judith Paris all the way through? But at the time, and this is something that also irritates me still, I think it's such a wasted opportunity is in Liz Sladen's last story that the character of the female Eldrad is not played by Elizabeth Sladen. Hmm. That would have been interesting to have her double up as Sarah yeah. and Eldred. Because, I mean, Eldred is reconstituting themselves and taking, you know, the kind of body print of Sarah Jane. Right. Which is why it's Judith Paris. It's why it's a woman. Right. Um, as Eldred, even though Eldred, as we find, as we actually find out, is in fact Stephen Thorne and was Stephen Thorne all along. Right. Um, and I, I, I thought then, even as a 10 year old, and I think I still think now, as great as Judith Paris's performance is as Eldred, it would have been so amazing to have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of in camera trickery and have Sarah and uh, have the Eldred, the female Eldred, be played by um, Liz Layden. Yeah, that would have certainly given her a, a lot to do on her final. Oh final yeah, story. it would have been yeah. like yeah. I mean, I you know, I, they probably didn't think of it, but I mean, I'm sure Liz would have left at that. You know, she'd love to challenge. It would have been more expensive to do yeah. too, though, with casting her yeah. double role. Yeah, they would have had to, you know, because she mm-hmm. they would they would have had to have had a double anyway. So I guess maybe the calculation was okay. Well, if we're going to have to have a woman dressed up as Eldred in any case, if she's playing against Sarah, then we may as well just have a woman dressed up as Eldred. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So missed opportunity there. That's that. That's what I feel. And I, I in my and again in my you know in my sort of. Uh, headcanon is the wrong word, but you know, in my kind of reformatting of the show at various points, Sarah Jane plays Eldred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't like that they killed uh, Dr. Carter, the Rex Robinson character. Good character. I just thought that here's a story that you could have gone through without really anyone getting killed. And right. killing off Dr. Carter, it seemed gratuitous, it seemed pointless, and it didn't fit the vibe of the story. Now, I know Eldrad's really bad to the Castrians, but I didn't think um, Dr. Carter had to die for, for whatever reasons. I just thought that was a misapplication of death. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing, uh, watching it this time around, is comparing the hospital here to the hospital that we have in Spearhead from Space, uh, English uh, medicine has... Uh, changed quite a bit we have someone from i think he's indian i'm not sure what ethnicity renu setna is who plays the in, the doctor okay. that treats sarah but um it seems like it was i mean the nhs was that was right after the second world war right yeah late 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 1940s when that all kicked off i mean the, the i mean the hospital in spearhead from space is billed as a cottage hospital which is like a it's like a it's more like a doctor's surgery than a, mm-hmm. than a, it's not it's not a full it's not a full-on hospital oh okay so this is and I this, think is this, a, this is supposed to be a full-on hospital i guess mm-hmm. well they have yeah. pathology that's what dr carter was and uh, true yeah 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 
that's just, my explanation i just thought it was very it's very different of uh uh well all again the spearhead space is all location opposed to yeah and i guess you know they probably couldn't film in you know like a, an actual full-on hospital because there are people who needed to be cured mm -hmm. there um whereas here because it's a studio hospital then yeah doesn't yeah. have to yeah mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and I think uh, what else? Uh, yeah, it's, well, Glenn, it's, it's, Glenn Houston's uh, Professor Watson as the nuclear power director, he gives a really good performance when he calls home when he thinks that the station's going to go on meltdown because of uh, Sarah and Eldrad. And right, 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 right. That's kind of uh, dark, <laughs> I guess. It's in a in yeah. kind of a light story. I mean, this is this this tonally this story has uh the kind of the kid level with eldrad and eldrad mislive you know the catchphrase oh i love but those then, catchphrases yeah i think this is the first one yeah this is the first no we had access calling earth or whatever back in the whatever closet, was, closet yeah. access but this is like the really the oh eldrad must thing. live is eldrad yeah. must live yeah. yeah exactly it's amazing but, yeah. but we have these so we have the kid aspects of it which are more eldrad and stephen thorne booming and whatever but then we have these dark dark episodes with like glenn houston's dr watson calling home right right telling, tell his wife to tell the kids that daddy loves them and that yeah it's uh totally it's operating on two different levels and i'm not sure the story works that well that way trying to juggle those two things the eldred story is kind of weak it doesn't support the depth or the darkness of these other other bits and they don't tie really the eldred part doesn't really tie in very well with the stuff that's happening on earth so it seems like there's multiple stories there and it's rather perfunctory and it's a typical baker and martin story where you have uh, you know this big hopper of ideas and they have to sift through it and it, there's there's almost like there's too much going on and then they need to focus in more on it it's very it's very um it's very android invasion i feel hmm. you know it's there's a bunch of stuff i mean there's some it starts off like completely awesomely right and then it just gets mixed up in it's in itself and starts tripping over itself and then by the end, by the fourth episode, it's like, what? Who? Ah, hang on. And right. everyone's lost interest by then. Mm -hmm. I like this better than... And I like Android Invasion well enough, but I like this better than Android Invasion because, I mean, because of the performances. Um, right. And because of the, you know, the. I mean, I guess Android Invasion is, is shot on location as well. But this is more Unity. We've got, like, proper unit here. Um, what have we? Wait a no, second. we don't. We don't. We don't have proper unit, do we? No, we mm -hmm. don't. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm getting my units mixed up. Yeah. Um, we have a, a we have a um uh we have a Land Rover which they yeah. hide behind. That's yeah, what I remember. that's it. I mean, yeah. it's it's this is another story where if with a little bit of more planning, you would you would expect this to be a unit story. You have the unit hooks here, and that that might be one of the things that seems missing i i said previously there's too much in here but there's also seems like there's an edge missing with with there's no unit in this and it seems right, with, right, with right, the right. earthbound story this would have been unit in on the scene for for, for this but the, the way it starts out in the quarry sarah grabbing the hand when she's trying to climb out of the rubble from the quarry blast you wouldn't see unit until the very end so they're already trying to well, you know holmes is already trying to work in different ways hooking the right. story de-unify de-unit yeah yeah de yeah yeah so um yeah it's 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 kind of it's 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 got it's got like all the you know the 
Baker Martin stories. It's got like really, really great bits to it, but right. actually getting all the bits to fit together and work properly as a story is, is their challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then oh. on top of it, you have Sarah Jane's uh, Sarah's Goodbye. So, yeah. Which, uh, Tom and Liz wrote themselves, and it and it shows, and it works. Yeah, great. I mean, and, and you know, and, and, I'm you know, I'm sorry if, if people feel it's like you know infantilizing her, but I don't think it is. I mean, they wrote it together, right? Um, and it's what they felt, you know. So yeah, good on them, basically. Mm-hmm. Again, just trying to remember back, I didn't believe that she was going. I thought right. this was a trick, right? And she'd be back, and then she wasn't. Yep, it could have been like Tegan. She could have returned. Could have returned, exactly. Well, they were they were going to bring her back, weren't they, with um, Peter Davison? I thought that was one of the plans hmm. to kind of ease everyone into a new doctor, bring back hmm. an old companion. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think sensibly she'd said, well, no, my hair looks different now, and I've moved on. So Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's her relationship was with uh, John and Tom, so it wasn't... Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't with the Peter doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor. I mean, yeah. it could have been, but yeah, I think she was right. And she was full-time mothering at that time. She deliberately gave up her career to be focusing on being a mom. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she'd been on it for a while. It's not as if she'd be like, you know, she's, mm-hmm. um, would only been for, were there for one season. I mean, she'd be right. there since, you know, season whatever it is, 11. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm I'm like, glad they didn't go with the original plan to kill her off, which they were going to do kind of a Bo Guest type uh, thing. Camfield, Doug, Douglas Camfield was oh, supposed to write Bo the script. Oh, the whole Bo thing, yeah. yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really would have been irritated by that because that again, that was an endless kind of classical series. It's, again, it's this some um, you know stories that these people, script writers and script editors and directors. And I read when they were kids and they still think that they're amazing stories, which I mean, I guess maybe Beaujest is an amazing story. I've never read it, so I can't say. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, if they'd done like a French Foreign Legion one, I would have, I would have been straight out of there. Which I think which was the idea, but Camfield didn't have time to write it. And Liz asked not to be married off or, or killed off. She didn't want Sarah to be killed off because I think more than many other of the actors in the series, she knew she was an identification figure. People, she, the audience related to her, and killing we, her off was a disservice to the audience. We did, we did. And I think actually, you know, I mean, I think it's interesting to look how companions leave. And mm-hmm. obviously, Joe married, but I think that right. was handled extremely well. And actually, that's the kind of thing you'd expect Joe to do. Right. Uh, with Sarah, I think not marrying her off. And not obviously not killing her. I mean, just having her have to leave. I think I think was just the sat right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's probably one of the very last good. Well, I guess Adric's kind of a good companion leaving thing. Mm. But it's one of the last times they actually managed to have a companion leave where it doesn't feel weird. I don't know. Tegan leaving, I think, just getting fed up was good. Yeah, I don't think the whole getting fed up thing works for me. Unfortunately, mm. it's like, well, mm-hmm. why? You're fed up. Then why? Then why? Why did you start traveling with him in the first? Place? Why did you start again? Yeah, you know. Similarly, you know, with Perry, which is that's a <laughs> terrible storyline. I mean, just the more you think about it, the worse it gets. Really, that yes. that 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 character arc. Yeah. And you know, poor Leela. Um, I mean, I guess they've kind of redeemed that with the big finish. Mm, it's um, it, it's Gallifrey it, things, but still, it's like what. Yeah, I think it's un. You can't redeem redeem that. 
I'm... Well, no, I mean, I think I don't think you can. It's just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, right. you know, they, they built this character up to be kind of just this awesome. Well, we'll we'll come to this when we come to the invasion of time. We need to talk about. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other other bit that fandom generally decries is the Doctor kills Eldrad, trips him, falls into the abyss. Yeah. Which I never, <laughs> I never really noticed it. I never got worked up about it until I started listening to other fans talk about it, and sort of, it kind of came up with uh, dinosaurs in the spaceship again, and it's sort of like, yeah, the Doctor does this from time to time. Yeah, I mean, the Doctor always defeats the bad guy whether it's like literally by tripping him up and throwing him into an abyss or trapping him in a vortex like he did with Zutek or um, being, I I can't remember how he got rid of the Mandragora Helix now, but, you know, getting rid of the, you know, he he always does something. I think, I think this whole like, ooh, the Doctor doesn't ever kill anyone. Well, you know, yes, he does really. Mm And sometimes you gotta, you know, if you want to get rid of the bad guy, you gotta throw them into an abyss. Sorry, yep. those yep. are the breaks. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, I think, I think, you know, without being dismissive about kind of, you know, younger fans than myself, I think New Who has made more of an issue of the kind of Doctor's kind of ethical and moral code than possibly needed to be done. Um, and I think what you've got to remember about these, especially, you know, 70s episodes, this is, you know, this is literally disposable entertainment. Um, how are we going to finish this? Right. Okay, he trips him and he falls into an abyss. Great. Okay, job done. done. Like, yep. Move End on to the next four. one. Yeah. Um, and I think we can spend too much time kind of believing that this is a real person when it's not a real person. It's a storybook person. It's a and monster. <laughs> Well, I mean, and, but the Doctor also is, isn't a real person. Um, right. You know, it's, he's a storybook character, and sometimes you've got to move on to the next story. Yeah. I mean, you know, and obviously the Doctor's never cruel or cowardly, blah, 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 never gives up, never gives in. Um, Eldrad's a jerk. He deserves to die. <laughs> I mean, his own people executed him. He's already right. dead. Right. It's not as if, like, you know, the Doctor's like, no, stop, stop the execution. Not only did they execute him, they destroyed their race bank or whatever, so he couldn't come back and revita. Re, they you know. really, yeah, they basically committed kind of suicide. <laughs> yeah, uh, cultural and the society. Yeah, the whole Actual, people. Is there a, what is genocide? A combination of genocide self-genocide. and suicide. Self-genocide. Yeah. They committed self-genocide because he was such a dick. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I think the Doctor is firmly within his rights to trip him up and throw him off a cliff or into an abyss eldred must die (laughs) actually and you laugh i actually do think there's there is in fact a big finish audio (laughs) called eldred must die in fact do i know that let me just look that up on the internet quickly i'm pretty sure there is so um yeah and it's and i i think sorry just to go back to my very first point Stephen Thorne is great as a monster, but he's no Judith Paris. He doesn't right. have the the weirdness of mm-hmm. the Doctor Who monster being an evil woman rather right. than a big shouty man. Because the Doctor yeah. Who monster is always a shouty man of some kind. Yeah, Judith Paris was perfect for it, and it was absolutely. Perfect. It was it was sad when well, it was not sad, but it was it was much better, like you said, if she would have stayed Judith Parrish throughout the story rather than Omega or Azal. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. So here you go. So Eldrad must die was the one hundred seventy second story in Big Fin in the Big Finish's monthly range, written by Mark Platt, featuring Peter Davison. Okay, well so, there you go. Eldrad must die. Funny. I mean, that's a Big Finish. Really, it's like you got to laugh, basically. 
yeah. Well, <laughs> they they are uh, they are they are a type of fan that likes uh, filling in all the details. Yeah, yeah. It's got it's got Stephen Thorne in it though. Yeah. Well, does, does it doesn't have Judith Paris though. Does I it? know, so I'm not interested. Doesn't have Judith Paris in it. I wonder if she's done any uh, big finish. I don't know. It's, I mean, she's a she's a great actor. Yeah. She's in. Um, the main thing I always kind of recognize her, and she's in Ken Russell's The Devils. Oh yeah. Um, um, as a you know evil nun, um, mm-hmm. or one of the evil, one of the many evil nuns in that in that movie. Uh-huh. I uh, believe she's still alive. She is still alive. She's yes. born in '44, so she, in her 70s now, she she could come back. Yeah. What does it bring about? <laughs> bring back Judith Paris. That's what we say. Oh, she's born in Sirencester. That's where my mother and sister live. Well, there you go. Yeah, maybe she well, still lives there. I really don't know. Uh, she doesn't have a doesn't have a um needs to get her act together. She doesn't have a Wikipedia entry. Well, low profile. Yeah, the low profile Judith Paris. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Anyway, yes. All right, we're rambling. All right. Yeah, we are rambling. <laughs> we are rambling. Um, are we gonna are we gonna crack on to um, uh, Deadly Assassin next time? Yeah. And we can kind of focus back in on Tom. Yeah. Yeah, we'll focus on Tom. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, the Deadly Assassin, Tom, is is, is front and center. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Mm. All right, then. Okay, well, thank you for listening to episode 165 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I have been talking about Sarah's long goodbye with Ben. And I have been erasing my race banks with David. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> quite sure what that means but anyway goodbye i guess we'll meet in the matrix we will meet in the matrix ha 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 doctor (laughs) (laughs) predictable as ever predictor as ever time lord um good bye all right bye I'm very fond of that. <laughs> but I'd rather have a bow.